Welcome back everyone to R2Cast number 13. Uh, we're actually sitting filming this in May. It should be the 19th of July today that this is coming out. Um, really interesting episode today and a totally different filmed episode, normally over Zoom, that sort of thing. But today uh, we've got my flatmate, so we're in together. If you want to say hello there, Alec. Uh, hi folks, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see how this uh, how this works out, but a uh, <laughs> bit of a different format, but yeah, yeah, it's good to, good to be with Wallace. Totally different format, and I tell you what I'm just going to do, I'm actually just going to pass you on to past Wallace, who's going to show you this setup quickly. Hello everyone, thank you to future Wallace for that introduction. I just wanted to show you what this setup is like, because I've done loads of podcasts, but they've all been on Zoom, but as I'm about to mention, I live with Alec, so uh, this is what it looks like. We've got the ironing board. Alex's recording device is my iPad on some chewing gum atop some Coke with some credit cards. <laughs> and mine is a DVD box oh, with some mayonnaise for this phone will sit against. I'll tell you what, the effort that goes into these videos is unparalleled, actually. I'll pass you back on to future Wallace. <clears throat> Thank you, past Wallace. Um, so yeah, before we get into Alex's story and that, we'll go over the boring stuff as we always do. Uh, I don't know what you're listening on here, guys, but we've got it available on YouTube, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Breaker. Uh, I'm looking to try to get onto Podbean and the Apple one, Apple Podcasts, um, or iTunes, I can't remember exactly what it's called. But if you have any other ones that you would like me to get it onto, I can't believe there's this many, but just get in touch with me through the Facebook page, Instagram, whatever. Um, or comment under this under this video on the YouTube channel, and I will try and do that. But enough of me rabbiting on. Uh, we'll go on to Alex's story now. So, Alex, do you want to introduce yourself? Tell us a bit about yourself and your history and that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. So, um, thank thanks for having us on, Was. Um, for those of you who don't know me, and the vast majority won't. My, my name's Alec Perry. Uh, I am an agricultural consultant out of the SAC office here in Auchincloud. Uh, and uh, yeah, I, I originally um, come from a, I have a dairy background, uh, we, uh, or, or I should say my, my family farm uh, about 200 Holsteins um, just outside Campbelltown in, in Kintyre, um, we've got a couple of sheep as well, um, I, I'm sure we'll have more of a discussion but uh, I, uh, I left the, the farm to come to uni, um, I, I always knew that I wanted to be a consultant of some kind or another so um, yeah, came, came to, to what is now SAC Riverside here and Air. Um, I spent four years here and I did a bit of chopping and changing. Again, we'll, we'll discuss that. And in 2015, late 2015, I, I joined SAC um, and uh, yeah, I ended up here, there and everywhere as well. So uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's going to be good to, to chat it over with you. It's uh, Alex obviously showing to you that he's good at walking through in a chronological order. And he is a podcaster himself. We'll get into that later on in the, the session as well. Um, but let's just jump back to, to the home farm, Alex. Where is it? Where is it you're from? So, um, where am I from? Um, so, uh, we we moved um, from Fife through to, to Campbelltown uh, when I was around about, I, I don't know, I would say 12 years old. Um, and... Uh, through in Fife, we, we did quite a bit of animal stuff, but uh, moving moving to, to Campbelltown, we, we kind of focused very specifically on dairy. Um, and, uh, you know, when, when we first moved there, we had about 120 cows. We've now built up to about 220 milking, um, give or take. And uh, yeah, that, that, that was kind of, kind of me. Um, I started helping out in the parlor from quite a young age. Um, and, uh, always knew that I wanted to be involved in the industry, but I wasn't totally set on whether or not that was going to be milking at home or whether or not there was, was a different avenue for me. Alec admits the fact there that his, his favourite livestock is actually sheep. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that is absolutely not true. <laughs> no, we, we have chats like this quite often in the flat, uh, evening time and whatnot, and I, I try and get him to like sheep a bit more, but it's a... A losing battle, I think I'd say, Alec. Um, but yeah, so so brought up sort of from a dairy background, a bit, a little bit of arable there, but obviously less than twelve, probably not yeah. too high of a focus. Um, are you are you growing any arable crops where you are now? Um, we we always do one field of barley or a field of wheat. Um, generally, we'll we'll whole crop it, but it, it purely 
for the ration for the for the milk and cows. And how, how is grass looking at the minute? This is obviously mid-May. Yeah. Bit this year. <laughs> I mean, if you asked me this question a week ago, I would say that we were still in winter um, and that grass is pretty scarce. Um, by the time this goes out, I, I don't know. I, I certainly hope that there'll be lots of grass kicking about. But um, yeah, it's it's been challenging for people this spring. Um, we uh, we actually at home, we, we've managed to get our winter and sheep off uh, a wee bit earlier this year. We were kind of hoping that we would see a flush of grass come from that. And then, of course, it's been a cold, miserable spring. And uh, so, yeah, we're, but big hopes for spring 2022. Yeah, yeah, I know. It's, it's been chronic all over the country, you know. Um, but, uh, yeah, hopefully come, as you say, when this comes out. So in uh, two months' time, we'll yeah. definitely have grass. <laughs> Uh, are you cutting quite a bit of silage at home? Yeah, yeah. So we'll we'll typically do like two and a half. I, I say two and a half. Um, it, two and a half, three cuts of silage. Depends. Some fields will get cut twice. Some fields will, will be held back for a third cut. Um, but uh, we'll, we'll typically pit it into first cut silage, which will go specifically for the milk and herd. Um, and your kind of second and third cut, which will be buffer feeding and dry cows and what have you. Good stuff. So uh, moving on from that, you've you've finished school, mm-hmm. and uh, oh, you've definitely finished school now. But let's get yeah, jump back, yeah. pretend we're in the time. Uh, was it straight out of school you decided college was for you, or so? Um, when I when I finished um, when I finished secondary Camelton Grammar, um, I uh, I purposefully took a year out. To, to work at home and get a sense of whether or not this was for me. Um, and uh, actually, by the time um, it came round to, to making a decision about that, um, I'd missed the boat uh, for, for the, to, to, to get into to Auckland Crew here. Um, so I actually went away and I, I did a year's um, course at the, the, um, the University of the Highlands and Islands, HIE in Campbelltown. Um, so I did a, a rural studies course um, over there it was you know um, a nice little gap filler really kind of fleshed out the different kind of sectors that uh, there are in the, the rural economy so it was definitely worth doing um, and uh, it was then and there that uh, I got my first kind of exposure to consulting I ended up doing some work experience in the local office um, and uh, met a couple of the folk from SAC and um, at the time, there was a, a consultant who was working out of the office from SAOS. So um, it was a nice mix of, of different uh, kind of specialities yeah. there. So we'll obviously get into sort of consulting more as we go in. Yep. Oh, I just bumped the cameras <laughs> uh, as, as we go into into the session. Um, sure. But you, you got that sort of short grasp. What, what did you gain from that? Contacts mainly? Or did you do a bit of, cons- obviously not consulting, but you were... Shadowing, I take it. Yeah, yeah. So um, I, I did a lot of the things that, uh, as a consultant now, I would consider grunt work. Uh, <laughs> you know, uh, we, we in, in our office here at Auckland Crew, we always take on a, a summer student, uh, or, or in regular uh, years, we would take on a summer student. Um, and the running joke is that we've always got plenty of soil sampling for them to do. Okay. Um, so I, I, I started off in the Campbelltown office, just helping out the consultant at the time doing a lot of soil samples. Um, I would do a lot of background reading for any kind of inquiries that came in. Um, so things like, you know, the benefits of spreading seaweed on, on ground as a fertilizer, th- things like that. Um, there was a lot of filing work done. I really got an idea of um, the organization um, as a kind of whole um, doing it. So yeah, it was, it was good. What, what are the benefits of seaweed? Oh, um, iodine. Um, okay. I- iodine, I, I remember. Um, being a good source of iodine if, if you want to get that into your grass. Alec uh, knows my parents quite well. Um, he's a consultant for them. And if they're listening to this, I can just picture my mum and dad sitting in the living room uh-huh. with a cup of tea, mum screaming at dad to get down to that beach to pick up some seaweeds. Uh-huh. Alec's dead now, you know. So, um, yeah, good. So that was at uh, UHI. Yep. Um, enjoy it, I take it? Yeah, yeah, yeah it was great. We um, So I, I don't know what the situation is with... UHI in Argyle College now, but at the time we had uh, we had a local farm that we went out to, um, and you know there was a heavy focus on practical stuff, um, so we were out there quite a bit um, with um, a, you know a fantastic farm that that you know we still work with 
to today. Um, you know, a lot of time for them. I, I couldn't honestly tell you what they're doing now at HIE and, and the Argyle College, but um, but yeah, it was it was a good experience. Was was that an NC national certificate? Uh, yes. Yeah. Um. So you finished that. Um. You you mentioned you went on to Riverside. Can you tell us about that? Was that straight away? Was it finished the winning? Yeah, yeah. There was quite a fast transition there. Um, I, I just kind of graduated and then immediately kind of jumped into uh, in, into Riverside. Um, I, I, I remember at the time, uh, the, the consultant who I'd been working with um, out of the SEC office had said to me that, you know, he, he was really quite pleased with the way things had panned out working in the office. But it kind of stressed to me that if I wanted this to go any further, I needed that that professional background, that 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 knowledge base that you can only get by going to, to uni. Yeah. Um. So uh, yeah, it was it was very much um, it was very much uh, encouraged by by him. I think that mix is really good because I mean at NC you're not looking to delve deep mm-hmm. into into the theory, and that practical is really good to get that basis, that grounded, and then moving on to the sort of the the more in-depth stuff as you go on to uni so what course did you uh, study yeah so um i contrary to um to my agricultural background i, I the one thing I've, I've always had in the back of my head was that I'm, I'm very much an environmentalist i'm very much uh, a conservationist um and there was elements of that built into the rural skills course at hie um so when I initially joined SAC Riverside, um, I was studying countryside management. Okay. Um, so yeah, that, that was that was my my first year. I think we're we're sometimes quick to jump to the fact that you know farming in itself is a countryside management mm-hmm. as well. Um, so so you just did first year there. What, yes. what did what did that HNC and countryside management involve? So. Yeah, it was it was a, a very broad um, based approach to, to countryside management, but there were things like um, interpretation, um, so um, understanding uh, publicity around the countryside, um, knowing um, how signs work, very much operating like a, a countryside ranger um, kind of model. Um, there was um, obviously the, the legislation, the, the things like the, the Land Reform Act, Scotland, um, there was biodiversity conservation, which is a, a huge part of it. Um, there was um, biology, soil science, um, but but yeah, um, environmental issues. Um, so yeah, a, a broad range of, of things that we covered. Did that by any chance include know the code, that sort of thing, or not? Yes, it did. Yeah, 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 it did, yeah, yeah. 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 It's an interesting topic that in general, you know. Mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. I personally don't know the full code, you know, but uh, yeah. it's it's it, it's it's an interesting topic. Um, so you've done countryside management for a year and then you've decided to jump on to agriculture? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Can you tell us a bit about that? Maybe the decision involved? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so I, I very distinctly remember I was I spent my first year living with, with, uh, with an agric student. Okay. Um, and uh, I, I having, having a dairy background, I kind of gravitated to the, to the agriculture students quite well, or at least I, I hope I did. Um, <laughs> um, and uh, I do remember that, that one of them in particular, at the end of our first year, um, well, sorry, two, two of us decided, three of us, sorry, decided that we were going to, to live together. Um, and, uh, and one of them had uh, more or less told me, you are going to go and speak to the module leader for agriculture. This is that you, you have to join us. Uh, yeah, it was, it was definitely, in, in hindsight, it was the right move to make. Um, but my countryside management background was very influential to the, the kind of stuff that I brought to, to agriculture itself as a course. Um, and uh, I like to think that I have one foot in both camps. Mm-hmm. And so you continued on to honours there then, yeah? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you, you, you've mentioned that your sort of countryside management had, had an impact on how you sort of moved on with agriculture, um, which I think is great. You know, I think it's a, a, the environmental side, maybe as uh, first and second year ag students maybe don't get the grasp on that perfectly. Um, and it, it's so important, and bringing that in, sort of from a from a student perspective, was probably quite good for the rest of the students, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but m- moving on to moving on to your fourth year, what what did you focus on dissertation wise? You might not remember exactly, but so my my dissertation was based on the overall efficacy of the rural priorities scheme, which at the time was Scotland's uh, 
environmental scheme, um, if, if you like. Um, so my, my dissertation was an investigation as to how effective that was at increasing um, biodiversity on farm. And how was it? Uh, yeah, it, it was it was interesting to do, and with hindsight, there are things that I would change. Um, were I able to go back and do it now, um, frustratingly, I kind of felt that as soon as I'd submitted it, I want to go back and do that better. Like okay. there, there are things there that I can improve upon. Um, but the overall results were that rural priorities didn't, um, or or sorry, farms that were involved in rural priorities didn't necessarily have a higher biodiversity concentration than farms that weren't, um, which was counter to what I initially assumed the results would be, but but that just led to a really nice discussion. So yeah, yeah. definitely worth doing. Yeah, good. But you've, you've mentioned probably four or five times the word biodiversity. Mm -hmm. Now we're kind of already going off track here, eh, Alec, but we, we talk about biodiversity quite a lot and it's, I don't want to say it's a buzzword because I don't think it is. Um, but what's the importance of biodiversity? Uh, yeah, so I'm sure that some people will listen to this and will think that they can give a much better answer than I can, and, and maybe That's they will. Um, but uh, so biological diversity or biodiversity is the, um, is the interactions and the makeup of species um, and, and landscape features and their interactions. Um, and from an agricultural perspective, that's that's hugely important. You know, um, yes, we all like to see a, a field of wheat or a field of barley, but if you don't have the bees to pollinate, then you know you're not going to get very far. I mean, yes, uh, we all like to see um, grazed grass and and grazing being done efficiently, but you know, if you're grazing too tightly, you're not going to have the habitat there for your ground nesting wading birds, or you know, there, there are lots of examples of that. Um, you know, biological control of, of pests and, and diseases is really important. You know, having a, a healthy bat population can reduce fly strike um, instances in cattle. So um, it, it's about how we, how we strike a balance. And, you know, there's certainly things that every farm can do to benefit biodiversity. Um, and, and some farms do have a bit of a postcode lottery. There are some farms that are naturally going to be able to do more. Um, it's just about finding what's what's appropriate for you. Yeah, good. Um, and we've kind of jumped into maybe the next section a bit early there, but uh, biodiversity is one thing that I think a lot of us hear of, and we think uh, biodiversity is good, but we're maybe not, you know, perfectly set on what it means. So I just wanted to pick you up there on that one quickly. Mm -hmm. um, jumping on now, you, you've finished your honours there, then, so you've graduated, and, and Alec, uh, much like Kirsty last last month, and. Uh, myself, for example, um, actually had a graduation, unlike a lot of unfortunate yeah. students this year and last year. Uh, so was that was that at Glasgow Uni? Yes. Yeah. yeah, it was. was. Beautiful setting for it, isn't it? Yeah, it was yeah, great. So. It was tremendous. Yeah. Um, so you finished that, that sort of uh, uh, graduation time's done. What was next? Was it straight into a job or? Um, so I, I went home for a couple of months, um, but I, I was fortunate that, and I'll always remember this, um, I when would that have been? It's sometime in October, I think. Um, I had just finished milking the cows. I'd come in, I was just having breakfast. And um, the consultant at the time in the Campbelltown office had rung um, out the blue, <laughs> no, no warning whatsoever, and uh, had suggested that I put on something smart and I come into the office because there's a man there that wants to speak to you. Um, and uh, so I did exactly as I was told. Uh, I went into to, to the office with... Uh, no kind of prior warning um, and at the time um, SAC's North Manager um, was there um, and uh, sat down for a chat with him and it turned into an impromptu um, interview um, and uh, I was encouraged to, to go up to the Inverness office to, to meet the team um, and uh, yeah, a, quite a quick turnaround we, we decided that yeah, I was going to take a position with him. It's, it's, there's almost a merit in that not knowing you're going for an interview. Yeah, you yeah, know. you know, it's great. <laughs> there's not that added fear of, oh my God, I've got an interview today. It's just uh, finish breakfast and head off. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
So you moved up to Inverness for that. Yep. Um, enjoy Inverness. So, had you been before, or I had never been to Inverness before. Okay. I I had no idea what what <laughs> I was doing. Um, but yeah, it was great. Um, I, I spent three years. Um, I spent three years up there, and uh, fantastic team. Really, really enjoyed it. Um, and uh, yeah, I I I have no, um, no no hesitation saying that it was definitely worth doing. Yeah. I mean, you, you now work in the air office, which we'll get into, but um, I assume the work down in air is, is quite dairy heavy. Mm -hmm. what, what was the sort of main enterprises run up Inverness with? Yeah, so um, Inverness was a really interesting office for somebody with an environmental interest. Um, I remember very early, um, I got very involved in what, what is now Scotland's environmental um, scheme, the Agri-Environment Climate Scheme. Um, one of one of my first memories of the office in Inverness, I went into the office on the Friday before I was meant to start, um, just to meet the team again and pick up some stuff. And uh, the uh, the administrator in the office at the time had printed off every single piece of guidance there was for the Agri-Environment Climate Scheme, bound it into a book and gave it to me. And that weekend I went home and I read it, it more or less cover to cover. Um, and uh, and that was kind of that kind of set the, the tone for me. Um, I also very early got involved in uh, farming for a better climate, um, which is an SAC initiative, just promoting sustainable, um, carbon friendly farming methods. Um, and uh, got involved in carbon auditing, um, quite early. So so that was, you know, with hindsight, you can look back at that now and say that that, that was a great. Um, a great thing to get involved in so early. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And uh, was it was it mainly beef and sheep up there? Up there or? Yes. Yeah. 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 A, a lot of a lot of arable actually. That right. I mean, the Black Isle is famously um, very good for for yeah, arable. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, the, I would say the majority beef, sheep, um, a lot of crofting. The office. Um, so all of the offices in SAC have a kind of um, area in which they cover. Um, and the Inverness office kind of went, you know, from Nairn um, in the east all the way to the west coast and then kind of down to Newton Moor um, in the south and uh, north to, to the Dornock Bridge. So um, a huge area, a kind of very diverse range of farms. I know we've got quite a lot of listeners in the uh, Smallholders Association, and the reason I'm saying this is you mentioned croft in there. Yep. We, we've all heard the word croft, whether it's uh, 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 the drink or um, as a croft, we think of a small farmhouse, two chickens yep. and a garden. Yep. It's not necessarily what a croft is. Could you tell us a bit about a croft and what it means? I, I'm not as deeply involved in it as some of our more northern and western offices will be, but... Uh, yeah, crofting generally is um, a lot of people. Well, I think I think one of the misconceptions with crofting is that it's generally small scale, yeah. and that's that's absolutely true. But it's not a requirement for crofting. So um, any land in Scotland that is within Crofting County can technically be created as a as a croft and, and managed as a croft. And really, the the way I describe it to people is that. Um, Every business that is registered with Scottish Government is answerable to the Rural Payments Inspection Division. Um, and if you're registered as a Croft, you've got that layer of accountability, but you're also accountable to the Crofting Commission. Um, so that's, that, that's one way to, to look at it. And, and the basis of the Crofting Commission and Crofting County in general is to retain that element of land-based heritage that, that comes along with, with crofting practices. Um, and to maintain and restore those practices um, in areas where you know more conventional, more productive methods of, of agriculture either are replacing those skills um, or or are not practical. Um, so yeah, it's about about um, supporting um, kind of Scottish heritage and, and traditional practice. You mentioned Crofton County. There is all of Scotland Crofton County, or is it? No, no. So, so I would be remiss if I gave you what the entire bound boundary is. I, 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 the safe way of looking at it is to assume that if you're north of what we would consider the Highland Line, yeah. you're probably in Crofton County. Okay. 
maybe for any uh, Highland uh, above the Highland line listeners, maybe something for you to look into. Um, but yeah, good stuff. You've 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 now been in Inverness three years, and uh, what's made you decide to come to Air? So you obviously spent some time in Air, but what made you decide to come back? So, um, whilst I, I I really enjoyed my time in Inverness, um, but there are two factors that when I when I think about the decision to move that, that always come back to me. And the first one being the snow. <laughs> like, <laughs> you have no idea um, how much snow they get um, until you actually live there. Um, Campbelltown sits pretty much on the Gulf Stream. I mean, we have palm trees in our garden and we get snow maybe once in 10 years. Um, and that was, that was a really hard adjustment. <laughs> And some people in the north might be laughing at me, but it, it took a lot of uh, a lot of hard work to get used to that. Um, and the other thing was I'm I'm very much a, a home bird, and and I really felt at home here and there. Um, my kind of long term plans, obviously aspirational, were to, to be a consultant, um, and and I always saw myself being a consultant in the southwest. Um, obviously I really enjoyed my time in air. Um, I have some tremendous friends here in air, but I really felt like um, like I uh, like I should be back in the southwest. Um, and you know, there are just no dairy cows in the north either. That's another big thing. I think during my time in Inverness, we had maybe six dairy farms that um, were affiliated with the college um, or SAC, uh, and. Uh, like I say, um, crofting's not my thing either. Um, so I think there are certainly some advisors in the north who were quite happy to see me come south. Um, but uh, but no, I mean, I, I think I had my stamp on the Inverness office. Um, they were doing some really interesting stuff. I'm still in regular contact with a lot of them. So um, nothing against them, but uh, but no, air's, air's definitely where I'm meant to be. I personally love snow, but I mean, Talk about a flex, palm trees in the garden. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I do remember in, in uni, there, there were a couple of us, and we, we had this idea that uh, we, would, uh, we would have our own consultancy one day, um, or that um, we, would, uh, we would all work for SAC. Okay. Um, and and that, that kind of, um, I hesitate to call it a kind of dream, um, was uh, was that we would all manage different offices here in the southwest? So yeah, for for a lot of reasons, I think air just made sense for me. Um, so you came back to air. How, how long ago was that then? So I came back to air in January twenty nineteen. Twenty nineteen. Okay, yeah. so about a year before the world fell apart. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, what what's what's your sort of uh, position in in air? So I'm a, I'm a general consultant with the, with the SAC Air Office um, and uh, you know we have a couple of members of uh, junior members of staff um, we have obviously the, the, the office manager who's also the regional manager. Um, Air in itself is quite a big office and there are you know quite a range of specialist teams that are also there. We have the environments team um, farm accounts, um, the forestry specialist is, is there, the beef specialist is there. Um, so yeah, there's there's a lot going on. Yeah, and what 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 does a day in the life of Alec involve then? I assume it differs <laughs> often. Well, I know it differs often. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> so, um, I the areas that I typically cover within Ayrshire um, are Arran, the the Isle of Arran, um, and the I, I deal an awful lot with a lot of dairy producers, particularly around about Kilmarnock. Um, so. If I'm not on the boat to Brodick, um, I'm probably kicking around about Kilmarnock somewhere. Um, I, uh, I have quite a high focus on the agri-environment climate scheme, so occasionally I'll get asked to go and speak to somebody about that, and, and they may or may not be my clients. I mean, they could be clients of another consultant in the office, or you know, I could be asked to do work for another office within SAC. Um, so yeah, there's, there's a lot moving about. He, he talks about Aaron a lot, obviously, as you guys know, I'm from Aaron, and uh, yeah, he speaks very highly, as most people do, must be said. Um, but yeah, so d does that quite often happen uh, with, uh, it's not branches, as office working with other offices? Is that, is that Yeah, yeah, um, 
I, I would say yes. Yeah, it obviously depends on the consultant and what skill set they can can bring to things. Um, quite often, SAC is split into four quarters, if you like. So there's there's the northwest, the the northeast, the southwest, and the southeast. Um, and typically, what you find is that consult general consultants can quite often work within offices within their quarter, if you like. Um, it it would be quite common for me to help out with the Stranraer office or the Stirling office, you know, both offices in the southwest. Um, obviously coming from Campbelltown, um, I'm quite happy to help out there as and when they need it. Um, typically, if you're going to work outside of your quarter, if you like, um, you're going to be a specialist um, and you're going to have more of a national client base. So you're, you're focusing there, I say so all the time, don't I? Uh, you're a general consultant. Yes. But would you say... You specialise in the agri-environment to an extent? Yes, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. 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 And I think, um, so in recent years, it's been SAC policy that we develop areas of specialisation, even as um, general consultants. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, with, with hindsight, the interest in agri-environment, the interest in climate, you know, uh, we see the direction the policy is moving in. It's been a, it's been a, Good decision. Um, looking back on it, to, to focus on these things. Um, you, we obviously sit and chat quite often yeah. uh, with living together, Alec. And one thing you mention quite often is uh, the different. Um, it's not seminars. Was it webinars that you're arranging? Yes. Can you yeah. tell us a bit about them? Feel free to promote them as well. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Yeah. So um, the so SAC. Um, facilitate the, the Farm Advisory Service uh, for Scottish Government. Now the, the Farm Advisory Service was set up, um, oh that will be, be more than five years ago now, um, with the idea that farmers in Scotland should have a national network that, or a hub if you like that they can go to to find information um, that is um, free, um, informative and regularly updated. Um, so that's that's kind of what we're meant to, to do. There's a, a range of grant advice uh, and support out there uh, for farmers who want to do things like integrated land management plans. We talked a little bit about carbon audits before. Um, there's mentoring for new entrants. Um, so there, there's a host of things in there. Um, but yeah, there's there's no doubt it's been it's been well worth doing from an SEC perspective. But but it's also a really valuable resource for for farmers and landowners. Absolutely, and, and for some of you who's listening to uh, Alec there, he's mentioned the Farm Advisory Service. If you're not aware of them, I mean, if you're not in farming, chances are you might not have been, but you might have heard of FAS TV. Yeah. Uh, so on YouTube, uh, you might have seen that, and if you want to go check out what uh, FAS are doing, just look up FAS TV. Uh, see, I can promote anyone, even if I'm not involved. Uh, moving on to the, uh, from that there, Alec, you mentioned uh, uh, carbon. Now, mm -hmm. I just want to... Uh, jump into podcasts at one point but could you tell us about carbon auditing and what what it is and why we're doing it and why it's a thing at the minute so yeah um <laughs> and be bearing in mind that there are a host of different carbon calculators out there right now um we here at sac we use our own sac's agri-calc so yeah carbon's become a really important thing um uh, for for scottish agriculture it's really driving policy um in terms of the the direction that we see things move in obviously we're in a bit of a transition period right now brexit has just happened um we've just had the election there so it remains to be seen what kind of way policy is going to go in the future but all indications are that we're going to see a massive focus on carbon um, and uh, biodiversity declines definitely right up there. Um, and uh, so carbon auditing in and of itself um, has been around for a number of years now. But the idea is that you quantify a farm's overall um, carbon footprint by calculating the emissions uh, from that, that business. Um, and that's normally broken down into the various different enterprises that you've got on farm. Um, and then we would compare that to the amount of saleable output um, that's coming from the business. Um, and that's how we quantify your, your carbon footprint. So when I give somebody their carbon footprint, um, it's expressed in kilograms of output over kilograms of CO2 equivalent emitted. 
Um, and one of the things that SEC's AgriCalc does is um, it breaks down emissions into carbon equivalents. Uh, and that way we can account for methane, carbon dioxide and nitrous oxides, even though they all have varying degrees of, of toxicity in the environment um, heating effect. So is there, is, in an effort to not offend any with the practices we're about to mention, is there any agricultural practices that are notably worse and any that are notably better, you know, just in general? So it, it really depends on how you're going to view the results of the carbon audit. There's no question in my mind that your dairy units typically have the highest emissions um, as, as a kind of generalization. Um, however, that's counterset by the fact that they by and large have huge output to, to offset those emissions. Um, and then when you look at your kind of more traditional beef and sheep unit, they obviously have, um, depending on how you farm, a, a much lower um, set of emissions, um, but also have typically much lower levels of output. Um, and then arable is kind of an anomaly because you can treat arable as, there are units that are designated as, as arable and that's what they do. Um, but when you throw in arable into a, a, what we would consider a, a dairy enterprise or a beef and sheep enterprise, that can have wildly um, dramatic effects on, on the carbon footprint of that business. So for the most part, when including output and emissions, mm -hmm. if you're saying, you know, for, for the most part, uh, well, in general, a dairy farm's going to be producing more emissions, but also they're going to be producing a, a more of a product. Mm -hmm. um, but then in the beef and sheep case, both of those figures are smaller. Mm -hmm. Are the offsetting, so a large offsetting, a, a large emissions offsetting a large product, another way down, sorry, and small are the same thing. Are they coming to a similar, what would be the statement, emissions per kilo produce? I would, I would suggest that dairy, dairy typically has a smaller carbon footprint. Than, than your traditional beef and sheep unit. So just as a broad generalization, the, the average dairy footprint right now, I would think will be somewhere in the region of 1.5 kilograms of CO2 per kilogram of output. Okay. Yeah. Where, whereas a crossbred flock on LFA ground, you're probably looking at somewhere around about 30 to 35 oh, right, kilos right. of carbon per kilogram of output. Um, and for beef, it will be somewhere between 30 and 40, I would think. Right, okay. Interesting stuff. Um, so now that uh, Alex told us dairy is better than sheep again. Uh, uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, it's really important, and, and this is something that I think we're only just starting to realise, is that a carbon efficient business is not necessarily the most biodiverse. Okay. Yep. So while dairy farms typically have lower carbon footprints, they also don't have anywhere near the natural capital that a less favored area beef and sheep unit would have. So you only really have to think about it like this. I mean, how many beef and sheep units will have a big scalp of hill that's a designated nature site um, where they have like a summer hill grazing plan in place for, for the benefit of, you know, let's take Aaron as, as an example. Hen Harrier is really yeah. big over on Aaron. Whereas at home, we are grazing every blade of grass within an inch of its life. And it's great from an efficiency perspective, but for biodiversity, it's pretty poor. And I suspect that where we're in a position to audit biodiversity and put a number on that in the same way that we are with carbon, the results would look wildly different. That could be quite interesting. I wonder if there's scope for that. Uh, I, I can almost guarantee that somebody somewhere is working on that. Yeah. Good, good stuff. Um, yeah, you, you've, we've talked about the webinars you've been doing, Alec, and, and uh, the, there's a lot more stuff you're doing at the minute. Um, yeah. you, you're trying to get the sort of, I guess, like I'm doing, trying to get the word out there. And one method you've chose to do that is podcasting, much like, like myself with R2Cast. How, how have you felt that's well? Um, for, on, on behalf of the Farm Advisory Service, I have a podcast series um, discussing climate conservation 
um, and uh, how it impacts the, the farmed upland environment. So Thrill of the Hill is the, the name of the series. Um, and we typically record somewhere between 10 and 12 podcasts a year. Um, the idea is that we get them out on a monthly basis, although sometimes that lapses um, and that, that's totally my fault. Um, but yeah, so we'll bring on a, a host of speakers. Um, some of them are members of SAC Consulting. Some of them are special interest groups. Some of them are specialists in their own rights from external advisory bodies. Um, and yeah, we just look at the issues affecting the farmed upland environment and how we create a more efficient, dynamic uh, work environment. Have you seen quite good success with them? Yeah, yeah, the feedback has been really good actually. Um, when we initially put the, the proposal together, the idea was that we were going to have a series of meetings on farm on, uh, around Scotland. Um, and obviously when the pandemic hit and things had to change very drastically, we weren't really sure how a podcast series like this was gonna work out. But actually the feedback that we've had is, is really good and, and there have been some really interesting people on that we just couldn't have gotten on farm yeah. in a particular location. So it's worked really well. No, there's there's definitely that benefit that, you know, uh, post-COVID or without COVID or if it never happened, whatever, mm -hmm. we wouldn't have been getting a lot of the people, like a lot of the people I've had on this, I wouldn't have had. Yeah. One of them was, two have been from the States, you know, so like, it, um, and it's brilliant in that sense. And do you think maybe post-COVID, if that ever happens, <laughs> hopefully at the minute in July it's finished. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you'll continue to do those podcasts. Um, I, I would, I would hope so. Yeah, there's there are some topics that are evergreen and that you can come back to again and again and again. And then there are some topics that we've covered that I kind of feel, yeah, we've we've ticked that box now. Let's move on to something new. Um, but I, I would like to think that Thrill of the Hill will continue um, post-2021. Um, good, good stuff. We've, we've kind of... I'm pretty bad for this. You guys listen to me constantly. I try and keep it in an order, but I get excited and I hear a word and I'm like, oh, let's talk about that. Um, one thing I wanted to ask you about, uh, mm -hmm. Alec, a pretty large part of your job, and you only really fully finished them a couple of days ago, uh, was Ajax. Yes. Um, yeah. That's quite a big part of your job, I understand. Could you tell us a bit about that? What, what does it stand for? What does it involve? That sort of thing. So Ajax stands for Integrated Administrative Control Systems. Um, and uh, Ajax is really the name for the broad, um, the, the broad initiative itself. What, what we do when we complete the, the application forms themselves is um, we refer to them as the single application form. Um, and the idea is that it's, it's essentially an annual census of the land that you have. Um, you declare that you're undertaking productive agricultural activity um, and you provide stock numbers um, for farms that have a high cropping component. Um, you might have to declare areas for set aside or, or what we would class as ecological focus areas. Um, and it's an opportunity just to, to let Scottish government know what it is you're doing with your ground um, and that, yeah, you're, you're managing it appropriately. That's good stuff. Um, we, we mentioned and I asked if you continue the podcast after COVID and now I've tried to not talk about COVID too much, but, but has it impacted SEC? Absolutely, yeah. yeah. I, th I, I don't think there will be many industries that it hasn't impacted at this point. There... There were hopes that, and, and maybe this, this is me being optimistic, when we started COVID, I, uh, the lockdown, I initially thought, oh, this will be fine, you know, a, a month inside, we'll get it under control and we'll be back at it. Um, we have had to adapt and, and things have been different in the office. Uh, I say in the office, um, I am still working from home. I occasionally get into the office, but um, it, it's a case of, you know, one person in, one person out um, kind of scenario. It, it, it is different not being around the team, um, but we have ways around that. Uh, you know, you will quite often walk in on me having like an 11 o'clock tea time chat with the rest of the team. Um, there, there are certainly ways around it, yeah. Yeah, yeah, good. <laughs> a month of lockdown, my, how wrong you were. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I think we all thought at one point, yeah, come June, it'll be fine. Um, and I think, you know, when you look at our jobs, we're, we're in the agricultural industry, but we're not agriculture. Mm -hmm. uh, agriculture itself, you could argue, is one of the industries that was 
impacted to a smaller extent than, yeah. than some places and arguably looking at market prices for a lot of the, a lot of the, the industries is potentially been good you know in that sense but one thing that really hit the agricultural industry was um the, the main social aspect of an agricultural year or one of the main ones is shows uh, going to markets and stuff like that have, have you personally missed those events so anybody who knows me will know that i love air show <laughs> and it has it has killed me um that uh, that we couldn't have an air show so i can only hope that we'll, we'll get back to that and and yeah the highland show was a big loss as well i have just paid up my membership this year i'm really disappointed i couldn't get to it um but uh, yeah i'm hopeful that we'll, we'll get back to that again um the the social aspect i mean a lot of people will a lot of people outside of farming will you know go on holiday abroad and 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 you know they'll, they'll have a great time and that's that's their break that's their reset and for a lot of people in farming you know it's a it can be a lonely job it can be a challenging job and you know those four days for the highland show it's a good chance to unwind um and uh yeah just have a good time reconnect with people that you maybe haven't seen in a long time um and i'm sure there will be a lot of that to come post lockdown yeah absolutely i think it's going to be good fun what about markets you a market goer um i i appreciate a market but i wouldn't describe myself as a market goer i mean prices are tremendous right now um and, and i remember even post brexit we all thought or you know we were all being told that markets are going to crash, that this is going to be a disaster. And there are certainly challenges, um, but you, you know, you look at how beef is doing right now, um, how lamb was doing, um, particularly through the summer last year, um, prices have, have held up. I mean, the da dairy industry has its challenges as well, but it's, it's, not, it's not bad uh, by any stretch of the imagination. Um, yeah, I, I, it's interesting because agriculture is one of those industries where in many instances you're dealing with livestock, um, you have an obligation to, to look after them, to maintain them in high levels of welfare, you have crops that you, you can't just let die and, and you can't shut them off in the same way that you can switch off a, 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 you know, a drill or a, a plug or, or, or something at a socket. Um, you do need to, to have continual maintenance of them. So the industry hasn't really had the opportunity to stop. Um, and maybe with hindsight, we'll look back and say, yeah, that, that wasn't too bad, actually. That was the way that we should have done it. Yeah, and there, there's various theories to why the prices have went up to the extent they have. And I think one that I always think stands out to me is COVID, unfortunately, brought a lot of people into uh, redundancies, furloughs, uh, an environment where they had less income mm -hmm. and uh, I think we, a lot of us are trying different diets for whatever reasons health reasons environmental reasons and I think with that reduced income and sort of lack of what would you say I don't know Alex smiling at me for some reason I don't know why terrified of where this conversation is going no it's not it's not it's, it's an interesting one on um uh, we had the opportunity now that we can't necessarily afford to try a lot of these new things and we go back to the sort of cooking styles of what we know mm -hmm. and I'm not necessarily saying that meat's in any way cheaper, it's just we know how to use it and there's going to be less waste and stuff but I'm not saying that's the reason. Uh, maybe, do you have a, a theory given your smile? No, no, I'm I just, I, I just conscious of where that conversation could have gone <laughs> and where that question could have gone. No, it wasn't. I, I, I do think that, that more so now than at any other point, the general public are conscious of where their food is coming from. Um, and, you know, we, we've, we've seen initiatives um, and, and drives on things like food miles, um, traceability. Uh, the, there, there is a real desire out there to, to understand the value of locally produced food and how that impacts the kind of wider economy. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I view that as only a positive thing. Um, at the same time, we need to be mindful that there are other countries out there that are doing some pretty terrific stuff. And while you know Scotland might have tremendous um, traceability, 
we're a small country relative to the rest of the world and you know there are big scopy countries out there that are coming for us um, in a competitive sense and you know we need to be producing some of the best quality products in the world if we're going to compete absolutely absolutely yeah we're gonna get into a theoretical chat now aren't we uh, <laughs> no not at all i think um we've really sort of covered your life there like i'm not 100 sure i think it's about 50 minutes we've talked for yeah. there so it's really good but um have you got anything more you'd like to say about sac in general maybe what you do or just the sort of greater intentions i think that as a company and as the broader industry itself moves forward into whatever this green recovery is going to be um, there are going to be a lot of policy changes there are going to be a lot of transitions out of the industry a lot of new people coming into the industry that's something that we need to be mindful of as well um, obviously as younger people come in they will have wildly different notions of how they want to, to manage the land in Scotland um, and we need to be supportive um, of that we need to have cutting edge uh, information and technology we really need to to hone in on precision um, precision practices and, and make that balance with with conservation and climate um, there has been a huge influx in things like tree planting um, in in the past couple of years scotland has some pretty ambitious targets for that um, and i understand that that's a contentious issue that there are certainly areas of agricultural land where i don't see the sense of of taking them out of production for uh, for timber so that that's something that we're going to be looking at going going forward how do we balance the need for the needs to address the climate crisis um, with the need to still have a productive agricultural sector um, in terms of other things that we've got going on i mean um you'll know this yourself uh, we have been running the the net zero Aaron initiative for um about a year and a half at this point or by the time the podcast goes out and uh, we've got some really interesting stuff coming out of that um essentially um carbon auditing the the members um, on the island um, and we'll be looking to promote our findings and uh, make make use of some form of platform going forward to to get some good messages out there um i really stress that we need to be better engaging with members of the general public um, and I think things like Rural to Kitchen are obviously doing a great job with that. You've had tremendous success with that. Okay. Thing, <laughs> things, with, uh, things like the Farm Advisory Service, I mean, we, we are um, an advisory body for, for Scottish agriculture, but by all means, you know, members of the general public, please get involved with, with us and, and see the, the stuff that we're doing. Um, in terms of where I see things going with the rest of the office, um, we'll see. Um, we'll see how things pan out and whether or not we actually get to all sit in the same room again. Um, I dare say that there's some big changes coming for a lot of companies in Scotland um, post lockdown um, and depending on whichever form that takes. Um, but there, there's always going to be farmers um, and there's, you know, now more so than ever i think my skill set i feel fairly secure in my job fingers crossed um so yeah um I, it's an exciting time to have this job um it's an exciting time to, to be a consultant here in scotland brilliant so um i think you've seen some of these podcasts alec and for those of you that maybe haven't followed for a long time before i did the podcast back in 2020 uh I did like a sort of interview style thing oh, yeah. called People in Farming and Alec was one of them. Um, so this isn't his first rodeo with R2K. Uh, but I asked two questions then and I'm going to ask you the exact same ones, Alec. And I'll be honest, I can't remember what you said, but we can maybe look back and compare them at some point. Um, first off, where do you see yourself in five years? And second off, um, if you had any tips for anyone coming into industry, feel free to talk about agriculture, feel free to talk about consultancy in general. Um, or more specifically I should say what would they be um, right so I think I'll, I'll cover the, the new entrance to, to agriculture first yeah. if that's alright I, I think back 
when you asked me that original question. I think I said something along the lines of the need to, to bring new entrants into the industry. And, yeah. and I've kind of already touched on that, but I would just encourage anybody who is interested to take a look at um, joint venture farming has become really big um, in the, the past couple of years. We have things like the, the Scottish Land Matching Service, um, which uh, tries to, to link up potential new entrant farmers with uh, landowners who might be looking to transition out of the industry, um, who might be looking to phase retirement, um, or who might just be looking for a new partner for, for some kind of new uh, business venture. So um, yeah, the Scottish Land Matching Service would be a, a terrific resource if you're looking to get into agriculture um, and don't have the, the assets or the capital um, available to, to acquire land outright, um, at least initially. We are, we're, as a consultancy, we're always looking for interesting people with, with good stories and a, a good knowledge base. Um, so, yeah, um, just make yourself known. I mean, do, doing things like this is a, is a great way. I mean, when I say this, I, I mean R2K. You know, having that, having that, um, that I was going to say notoriety. That's not necessarily the the right uh, the right turn of phrase, but not necessarily the, the right uh, the right turn of phrase. But, but having having a a platform like this where you can put across your ideas, um, articulate them really well, communicate really well. Um, I think being able to demonstrate that and and know that you're speaking to a real person and that you're you're you know they've got their own experiences as well. Uh, as a consultant, one of the things that I try and stick to is the idea that I'll never tell somebody to do something that I wouldn't do myself in that situation. Um, and uh, yeah, it's just, just about being authentic, if, if you like. Um, and like I say, having, having the knowledge basis to, to back up what it is you think is a good idea. And the other thing would be, where do you see yourself in five years? To, to be honest, um, I see myself very much as... Uh, I was going to say a one-trick pony. That's not that's not how I see myself. But I have a very defined skill set as a consultant, um, and I'm very fortunate that as policy moves forward, I see it becoming more and more relevant. Um, so I just like to really get stuck in. I think there are some really fascinating things. I mean, we had a I've mentioned the the discussion about carbon efficiency versus biodiversity value. I think there's a huge discussion to be had there. Um, I think that you know we're seeing um, huge shifts in agriculture. We mentioned tree planting. There are some um, targets out there for for reductions um, in herd size in Scotland. So that's going to really shift the dynamic of Scottish agriculture if and when that that comes up about. Um, Scottish government and SEPA just had their their consultation out for changes to slurry waste management silage stores um uh, this spring we've been doing a bit of work with farming and water scotland um on that a webinar series to, to promote those changes there's there's a lot of things coming down the pipeline uh, with regards to the farm uh, environment that that yeah we we really need to to keep on top of and uh, i'll be happy if i'm here just contributing to that Hopefully it's not slurry going down that pipeline. Uh, yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, thank you very much, Alec, first off, for coming on. Um, no I, I appreciate that. Uh, it was good to have you here. And to be honest, you know what was really good as well? Actually getting to trial this. You know, uh, mm -hmm. you I watch a lot of pod podcasts like True Geordie and stuff like that, and they're sat at a table just having a chat. And, you know, that's how I think you get really good results from a podcast because yeah. you can almost bounce off of each other. So... Uh, thank you for being a guinea pig, if you will. <laughs> yeah, I'm good. I'm good. Um, good, good. Uh, do you have links, Alec, to the, your podcast? So, yeah, yeah. I would simply say that anybody interested in checking out what we're doing with Thrill of the Hill can find it on the Farm Advisory Service website. Um, anybody interested in um, Farming for a Better Climate can, can also find the website just by, by Googling Farming for a Better Climate. Um, and uh, Farming and Water Scotland, um, exactly the same. We've just finished a, a webinar series for Farming and Water Scotland uh, with a couple of videos that are in post-production right now and hopefully some more content to, to come towards the end of the year. 
ideal. Well, I'll pop those links in the description. You guys can check them out. And uh, thank you as always for coming along. I hope you enjoyed. And uh, if you could check out the, the Rural Tool Kitchen Facebook and Instagram pages, maybe drop them, drop them a like and a follow. Instagram used to be terrible. Uh, I'm not great on Instagram, but as I've told you a few times now, Jess is sort of in charge and I've been told what to do and that is to take nothing to do with it and she'll do it all. Uh, so there's a lot more stuff going on there. Um, follow the podcast on Spotify, subscribe on YouTube and hopefully we'll have more really interesting guests like Alec. Thank you very much. Cheers, guys.